everybody welcome back to another episode of fn story i'm joined alongside a very multi-talented and handsome man that's sitting next to me uh on the computer screen not actually uh Mikkel, what's going on man <laughs> hi i'm good uh thank you so much for having me like i've been seeing this podcast um for the for the previous like bunch of weeks and it's just like all those cool like what's it called characters persons involved in the scene you're having here so i'm, I'm really blessed to be a part of it yeah, I'm happy to have you on here. You're a very interesting person. I've gotten the opportunity to work with you in the past and uh, hopefully become friends. And, you know, now we get to chat about what you do. Oh, okay. Oh, that's how this is going to start. That, that, Good that's going to be a short interview. Yep. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I know what you do, even though I probably couldn't fully explain it. But you have like three jobs. Do you mind kind of just quickly going over everything that you do within the space yeah so um currently i am working as the head of fortnite for galaxy razor uh they have a fortnite branch a newly created fortnite branch called gxr lead which is basically their their fortnite brand um yeah on the brand of gxr i don't know if that makes sense but that's that's what it's supposed to be in the future um it's it's still early in the process we have players we obviously have malibu and queasy um but I think there is a lot of in, internal work going on right now, trying to build up the, the infrastructure around the team and get that going. Um, but it is, it's looking good and, and good things are happening very soon, hopefully. Um, Can I so, stop so you that's... real quick? Ray? Yeah. Um, how does that work? Because Queasy and Malibuka live in one place. You live in another place. GXR is headquartered yeah. out of another place. Like, How does that all work for you, trying to build out the infrastructure? Uh, so, so GXR comes out of Dubai, basically, that's where the headquarters are, but it's a global operation. They have, they have like headquarters or like offices around the planet. So they have, they've recently launched an NA department, Galaxy Race NA. Um, they have in Asia as well. Um, I also think they have somewhere either in middle, uh, not sorry, Middle East, Africa. I think so. They have like small offices around the place. So it's not just like about the Middle Eastern part of the company. It's just like a big global business. They have like 200 players attached when i say players it's also including content creators and stuff gotcha uh, and staff all over the place so so really i feel like a lot of the people working with gxr are used to this working abroad or remote kind of approach to things and, and that really helps because i mean sure i don't walk in physically to an office every day because right now i'm in my actual office so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where i work from but but now it's it's working quite fine actually i mean uh i'm a social person so some days i i, I could miss some human interaction but then again i have i live with my girlfriend i see some some friends around and then i hang out with on discord a lot with my guys so I'm, I'm i'm covered most of the time okay yeah that makes sense i was just curious as far as like i you being as part of like uh copenhagen flames i believe in the past like that was more in person i would assume or at least had the opportunity to be in person and now you're working with like a global brand so it's pretty much fully remote until we start to get into land season coming up in, you know, a month or so. And I'm hoping that I'll get to see you at a couple of those, but uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And what else do you do? I, you got a couple uh, of other uh, titles. I do. Um, I help blast uh, the Danish esports uh, broadcast production team um, or company, sorry, not team with uh, hosting FNCS together with Epic games. So I would be, 
I don't know, I think my title is assistant producer, um, where I would basically contribute with my Fortnite knowledge. So when you guys see broadcasts, I would assist the talent as you, uh, Monster, not Monster, sorry, SPG, <laughs> but like as, as, as the talent on desk and on, what's it called, stage. And um, I would assist them with like uh, highlights and clips and stuff like that from the actual game we just see. I would assist them with analytical key points to what we could break down between games. Um, I help prepare the show every single day to watch what duos we would talk about or focus in on or what all spawn fights we would look at. Um, and just try to like be a behind the scenes analyst kind of thing <laughs> where I help to, to, to make sure that the, the show works greatly. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's cool. I like that as well. Yeah, I liked working with you. You're kind of like the in-between. You're like a Fortnite person on the production side that helps us Fortnite people, or at least me when I was doing it understands the production side because that was something completely new and uh yeah super helpful especially between games you're like yo i got you all these packages don't worry i covered everything and very helpful to work with so i, I appreciated that thank you so much now it, it's it's a fun position because honestly um I got into it because um, I got the opportunity because I was both doing the Danish Fortnite tournaments and I was also like a coaching. So that's a part of being, that's like, that's a good step to being an analyst, right? To know the game and how the more um, analytical aspects of the game work. So that's like how, how I got the opportunity to do this. And I, I was completely like green in terms of production. I've never done any productions before, really. Uh, so, so. I feel like Blast really did a nice job uh, helping me get into that world with teaching me about production side of productions. And then <laughs> I could help them out with Fortnite part of productions. And then, as you said, like meet somewhere in the middle. So I, yeah, that, that's a, it's, it's a fun spot. My, my job isn't there in a normal production. They also do Counter-Strike and stuff like that. And they don't really have a person like me for, for the other talent in, in the other productions. So that's, that's also kind of interesting. And I also think it's a sign of how, how complex Fortnite is as a game and an esport, right? Yeah, it's so unique that, you know, you look at pretty much any other esport, it's team versus team, and it's so much simpler from, like, a top-down perspective because, I mean, you look at Rocket League, for example, you, you know if the ball's going in the goal, that's good, right, or bad, depending on what side you're on. But Fortnite, there's so many movements that happen, and they could be non-existent towards, like, the story of the game, but if you don't know what's going on, you have no idea whether or not it's relevant. So it's super helpful to have someone like you being able to, one, learn production. I'm sure that's a super valuable tool for you and something that will be helpful along your long career. Um, but then also from like a Fortnite side, having somebody that knows the game as opposed to trying to explain to like a production person that doesn't know Fortnite and then you're there trying to translate from production to Fortnite to talent and then vice versa is super helpful. And I, I think it shows like the blast production, not just from my perspective, but over the last year or so has gotten a ton of compliments from the community as far as the general output that people are seeing on screen. So it's a... I think like uh, I think the main person to give credit to is obviously uh, yeah Blast as a company for believing in all the people they hire. I think they're really a really great company when it comes to giving opportunities and taking risk. Like let's just call it calculated risk because obviously they wouldn't just take in random people to do these jobs. But I mean, 
having very little experience in the field, uh, I think they're really good at just, you know, like giving over responsibilities and be like, hey, you get this job, get it done or do your best. And then the person they give it, give it to deliver, right? And then I think uh, Kuno, Gaming Kuno, uh, he's done an amazing job. He's uh, the main lead on the the part of uh, the Fortnite part of Blast um, together with uh, a few other people. Um, but he's basically the, the, the Fortnite brain who who's behind all of it he's right now responsible for the in-game team so that means observers and stuff but he's he's so much more than that and people don't recognize him for that i think but uh but he's he's doing a great uh, great deal of job right there yeah i having you two two people that not only know fortnite but he competed at a high level you were a coach now also the head of gxr elite so clearly you two Big brains for, as far as Fortnite goes, and then there, there are so many more. You, I don't yeah. even think people understand it. We have Boyer, for example. He's in there, right? He's a former professional. Uh, if you guys don't know Boyer, you have to go look him up. He's a true OG of the one scene. of the best clips of all time. Boyer hit. Yeah. Look up Boyer and he... Deagle, and you'll uh, appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it was a summer skirmish. I can't even remember. Oh, uh, I, I don't know. But but he he was a great guy. So and he's also a part of the production team. Um, he's helping out with graphics and stuff. And that might that might sound super dull, but it, it's it's a it's a major job because like um, there's so many players, so many teams, so many persons to to what's it called keep track of here. And the graphics has to be on point all the time. And Boy, he's the man to do that. Make sure we have some cool stats, great stats for it. Uh, obviously with support from other other stat delivery guys. But uh, Boy, he's the he's he's the main draft on that and we also have like uh, Saka uh, also a former Danish Fortnite pro also assisting Kuno and the in-game team uh, Rinch he was my assistant coach in Copenhagen Flames he's also a part of the production so so basically what I'm trying to say is Kuno is just gathering a lot of Fortnite strong knowledge people we also have Kaiser in there like I mean it's just like a really strong Fortnite roster <laughs> that he actually collected for that production team and I think that's that's what mainly works well together with with obviously Blast's huge knowledge and and great level of success in, in terms of production value i think the cool thing is that it shows you that there's a lot more opportunity in fortnite and gaming outside of simply playing the game i mean you just named four or five people there's even more there's more observers and people that played the game enjoyed the game and now have at least some kind of financial output based on playing a video game and people don't realize that but it's not just pro players and content creators. There's so many other jobs that come along with it. And shouts out to Blast for being able to put together that team and trust you guys to be able to do your job and good shit for being able to do your job well. I also feel like there has to be a huge shout out to Epic Games because like they're obviously a big part of this process. Blast and Epic are working closely together and they're also really, really nice to work with in terms of getting these nice productions on their, on their what's it called, on the go. And I feel it's just amazing to work with both both parties in that like context. So it's it's nice to do both. Yeah. All right. Hell yeah. Shouts out Epic as well. Um. All right. So we got through two jobs, and then you mentioned yeah. the other one. You host a Danish Fortnite tournament. I'm not gonna try and pronounce the name because I did Come earlier. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll let you introduce it and then um, tell us about what you do. Yeah. So so um, I'm hosting a Danish Fortnite tournament. We call it El Gigant Invitational. Uh, El Giganten is a major um, tech supplier uh, chain in Denmark. Uh, actually, in the in the Scandinavian region, they just have a little bit twisted names, but it's the same store, and it's in Finland, Denmark, Sweden, might also be Norway, I think, but basically just in Scandinavia. Um, 
and they support that tournament. It's it's I think it's a, a big deal that they do that in terms of it's really nice that they want to support it. My job there is obviously to make sure that the event can be hosted every Tuesday when we do it. Or when I say every Tuesday, we we host six events per season when we do it. So six Tuesdays in each season. Um with a prize pool of I think it's uh hang on, let me just like translate that number. Uh twenty while you do that. Agigantian? El Gigantin? El Gigantin. El Gigantin. Boom. There yeah. it is. After you said uh, it like three times. Exactly. But we have like almost 2.7k US dollars every Tuesday. Wow. Um, I think that's a really nice pool, a prize pool in terms of it being a third party tournament and also in terms of it being a Danish tournament. Um, it's not exclusively only for Danes anymore. It used to be like that the first two seasons, I think. Um where you had to have one Danish person in your team uh, for for you if, in order to be eligible to compete. But um, the truth is, I think everyone can feel that the, the entire scene got a hit in terms of how many players are both joining and leaving the players. And currently, there's been, like, the last few seasons, there's been more leaving the scene than actually joining the scene. Um, so when I say that, I mean in terms of highly competitive levels, right? We have right. a lot of pros quitting and stuff. So so we had to, not had to, but we decided to open up the tournament for some international spots as well. I think that's a really nice thing to do. Uh, it's still the majority of the players who are Danish. I think the most beautiful part about the tournament is that we can uh, give some spotlight to the Danish community. We have these talent spots. So we have like five dedicated spots for talented players in Denmark. You don't have to be on the PR page. Uh, to actually gain one of these spots. And I think that's really nice for them to get a chance there as well. But um, but yeah, that event goes on. Uh, so I'm basically the, the the main admin or whatever it's called in that, making sure we get players in, have a full lobby every Tuesday. Um, then I'll obviously have a team around me to assist with that. Uh, then I host it myself. So I'm on broadcast. Uh, what's it called? Being... I don't know what it's not called a caster. It's not an I, I do everything, you know. I cast it, I, I analyze it, you know, and then I have a guest with me every time. That's super nice to have some of the boys in. Uh, um, we have like all different kind of Danish former players and pros and and community figures, and that's really cool as well. Okay, cool. So you're the guy that does. Do you pick the invites too? So if someone's trying to bribe you, just you know, what's your your PayPal so someone can yeah, get yeah. an invite. To my PayPal will be in the description <laughs> below. Uh, so nah, but how, how it works is actually like we have um, so we have like oh, hang on, it depends if it's, if it's trio or duos. But let's just go with the duos. So we'd have forty eight spots. The reason why we only have forty eight spots is because we have uh, to have room for the observers in the game um so so that's cool we have um three observer accounts which uh makes us have a I, I think and this is going to be super like what's it called uh edgy to say i think but we might have some of the highest third party production value out there uh, uh -oh. um in terms of uh, competitive events i think we're doing a great job producing that event um we have a great production from Copenhagen flames End. uh he's called uh, the polish dane guy who runs it He's doing amazing with that. Um, and then we have a lot of observers who are also doing blast observing. So it's like high quality observers as well. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's a really good production value team we have there. Uh, we have 48 spots for the tournament. Um, then we have two guest spots. Uh, guest spots is basically just we can pick personalities we want to attend. So regardless of their, their rank or their earnings or whatever, what's it called? Um, 
measure we would we would measure them on. We 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 can bring them in. A lot of the spots are going to content creators often. Um, so that's their spot kind of. Um, then we have talent spots, which would be I think it's five to six spots per season, and that's rotational. So basically every new week there would be some new talents but if you end up between the two best talent teams you would get to stay another week and then the yeah. remaining spots uh i think we have oh, quick math never do math in public but that would be like 40 spots or something like that uh those are to the pro teams pro teams are picked based on their pr um game pj pr i'm not sure if we have to revise that after game pj kind of shut down or like standing still i don't know how to phrase it um but basically, they are they they get their invite based on their ranking in the competitive environment. Okay, uh, I really like that you guys do that, and to me, that has to be the longest running third party like regular tournament that I can remember. That's of any significance, at least. There's probably some you know little land center somewhere in the world that hosts like a regular Fortnite tournament every week, but. It's cool that you guys do that, especially because one, you don't have to could easily spend that money elsewhere. And two, it gives the pros a place to play. It gives the Danish community, like you said, a little bit of a spotlight on a regular basis. Although I don't think they really need one at this point because you look at some of the names coming out of Denmark. Yeah, I don't know. Crazy. <laughs> they need that, but um yeah i i appreciate that and i wish more companies would be willing to do that but do you think that's specifically because of el gigantin or that's like a piece of the danish community that or even danish government that's making that be supportive like why why has this been so successful i guess Mm, so basically i think the main credit here has to go to el gigantin for supporting us financially Obviously, it's a lot of money to throw away, not throw away, give away every Tuesday. Um, and, and Elk again has always been a super nice sponsor when it comes to assisting with uh, both the teams. They're the main sponsor of Copenhagen Fame, so that's obviously how we get in touch with them. Um, but they are also very supportive, or not even very extremely supportive, towards the Danish community in esports. Obviously, it's because I, a lot of the customers are within esports as they're a tech giant, but... Um, um, I think they're really nice when it comes to supporting the esports scene because they have not even uh, not only what's it called Fortnite. They used to do a lot of CS:GO as well. They also have Rocket League, um, and they also have the, yeah our Fortnite tournament. So so they they don't just do Fortnite. They do a lot of things, and they also really represented uh, well represented at different LAN parties. Like they're they're one of the main sponsors of DreamHack in Sweden actually because they're in Scandinavia um they would also often be at smaller danish land parties uh, we've just had one recently um i think it's called npf i didn't go myself um but yeah they're, they're really well represented among danish like esports scenes i think that's really nice for of them to be that and it, it has to help the brand in some degree oh 100 and you wouldn't just keep doing it like right they're clearly getting some value back in return because companies just don't burn money like that like it's not just giving it away. They're clearly getting something back from it. Um, so hopefully they they continue to and you know keep that value. Get European yeah. players some third party tournaments on a regular basis. Um, one thing that you you touched on though, or and we were talking about it before we even started recording was how supportive Denmark is as a country as far as like esports and just gaming in general and. 
compared to most places, actually pretty much anywhere that I know of, the only other place is pretty is where I live is Raleigh is very supportive of hosting major events for esports. But it seems like Copenhagen's kind of the mecca for esports events right now outside of Asia because they they do it on a different level out there. But for like Europe and NA, it seems like there's no better place than Copenhagen and you guys are supporting everything. But is that like a government back thing? Is it more circumstance? Is it just the Danish people like gaming more than anyone else? Like, do you have any insights as to why? Um, I do not have the definite answer for you, but I think I have a few like clues on what's 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 the reason behind it. I think, first of all, Denmark is a is a very not a very esport friendly community. Um, basically, thanks to Astralis, uh, Counter Strike is normalized as as a thing to do in Denmark, right? I mean, Astralis had an amazing run in Counter Strike. And they've really been the front runner of of pushing esports among normal Danish people. Uh, when I say normal Danish people, I mean people who don't really participate or play or are into esports in any way. But but even those people would actually be like, oh, Astralis won another major, or whoa, Astralis won another tournament. Obviously, it would be cooler to have more teams doing this. Uh, I think both Copenhagen Flames. Uh, we also had a Danish team called Trick. They have uh, shown themselves time and time again that they can compete in high levels internationally. But I think Astralis is definitely the front runner for that among the Danish community. Um, I think also there is being done good things among the Danish government in terms of supporting esports. They can definitely be done be done more, but they're definitely on the right track uh, for starters. And then there's Denmark is built around a lot of. Um, I don't even know if there's an English word for this, uh, but basically local clubs and smaller teams around like, yeah, smaller parts of the country. So there grassroots. is a lot of grassroots. Yeah, kind like of grassroots. A, yeah, you can say that. But but there, the, the thing here is there's there's a really nice culture in Denmark for volunteer work, right? So parents would go down after work hours or people would sign up to come in on weekends to to host smaller cups for the kids uh, or young people around the, the, the different cities of Denmark uh, and kind of have a, like a community around that, you know? So I think that's also really nice in Denmark to have this kind of volunteer culture. Um, and then lastly, I think obviously um, Denmark is, I would say, yeah, both one of the best countries in the world when it comes to esport players. I think if you took, if you look at uh, professional esport players per or what's it called, like, uh, how to explain it. If you if you look at how many professional esports players there is compared to how big of a country we are, like, population-wise, mm-hmm. we have, like, 5.7 million or something like that, almost 6 million, right? Uh, I'm just going to say it straight out. We are, we, are, we are crazy good. Like, it's insane. <laughs> we have so many good players. Like, we have... It, and it's not just Fortnite. It's Counter-Strike. It's, uh, it's Dota. We also have some good players as well. League of Legends, we had a few good. But, I mean, CSGO, we are crazy good. Uh, Fortnite, we're crazy good, and then we're also well represented in other esports. So I think, I think I would I would put my name on on Denmark is the best Fortnite nation in the world if you compare the amount of pro players to the population size. Yeah, I'd say. Well, they also had the Danish curse where they couldn't win a tournament for the longest time. But let's not let's not talk about that. <laughs> that one doesn't count when we're talking about oh, who's the best. That was so sad. We had in in, in 2021. We had 10 or 11 different Danish people 
coming in on second in FNCS. That's crazy, man. That's straight up crazy. Yeah. But yeah, no one, no one Danish has ever won the FNCS. Well, yet. Hey, there's a big one that could change the tides, yeah. and there's a couple Danish players. I, I think Thomas is probably Thomas and Nas would be two of the the top players that stand out to me. But uh, there's probably more than just those two. They're, they're just the ones on top top of my head right now. Um, yeah, yeah, these two definitely deserve it. Um, those are also the main ones for me. Oh, I guess Anas won the Gamers Eight tournament, so technically they have. But oh, that was zero build. No, uh, yeah. Wait, yeah, no, they won the Mal- actual Mal- one, didn't they? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no that was mind. my guy, Malibuka. Malibuka yeah. <laughs> okay. Getting them all mixed up. But it's going fine. back to, to Denmark, it, it's very interesting to see, like, this culmination. I, I know, obviously, you don't – you're not the government understanding everything, but <laughs> that speculation as to why it works and why Danish players are just generally more accepted – or gaming is more accepted as like a thing in Denmark. Um, I know up until recently, it was probably like the beginning of Fortnite that gaming in the U S was kind of still seen as like a nerdy thing. And I'm sure there's still a lot of people that are like, dude, stop. But the U S hasn't really been that successful in, in Counter-Strike, have they? In anything, bro. Like, Oh, okay. (laughs) There's, we just got, NA just got knocked out of league of legends. Yeah. So, I think 100 Thieves was the last one, and I'm pretty sure their roster doesn't have a full North American or even U.S.-based roster. So, yeah, NA does not have the best um, record when it comes to... Well, I guess we won World Cup, so we'll take that one. But (laughs) outside of that, it's not been the best as far as, like, winning teams and things. Call of Duty is a little different because I feel like that's pretty much purely a u.s based thing at least recently um, yeah I've, I've never heard of anyone playing call of, call of duty really like not not competitively obviously i know people who play it but yeah yeah well all the franchises are here in the u.s and canada i think there might be a mexican team i don't know i don't keep up but, with that much but that's the interesting part right because uh, and this is not to to talk bad about the u.s but even though they don't perform that well in tournaments and stuff it still seems like that's where eSport is, you know, like there, there, there's franchises, there's sponsors. Uh, whenever I, I talk to other people, they're always like, it's in the US, is that, that's where the money is in eSport, right? And I think that's interesting because uh, that seems like there is support in there. I also think, uh, I'm not 100% sure of this, but I think a highly ranked person within Astralis, maybe the CEO or someone like that, posted a comparison of fan culture. And I think it was FaZe, who had more supporters than many of the big basketball teams in the U.S. That's a cool stat. Yeah, well, the money makes sense, right? Because all these teams have seen what people in the NFL, the NBA have done, and people are just selling the idea of, like, buy into this franchise or buy into this esports org, and you'll be the next great NFL team. And, you know, there's a lot of rich people here in the U.S. that have dumb money that you just want to throw it around and it's not even necessarily an investment all the time. It's just, Oh dude, how cool would it be if I had the next like Cleveland Cavaliers and we got to draft LeBron James or something it, but you know, obviously there is supposed to be some return at the end of the day, but I think a lot of it's more of like status based and there's just a lot of money. Like you guys have 5.7 million. There's 360 million people in the U S so just, 
infinitely more people, whatever that yeah. that number is. Um, more opportunities as well, right? With more yeah. people comes more opportunity. Yeah. Um, no, I but think I think it's interesting. Yeah. The the overall culture I don't think is accepted. I, I think that no. content creation is much more accepted than esports players, which is strange yeah. because you would think with the competitive nature and the way we put regular athletes up on pedestals that esports players would get a similar treatment but it doesn't feel that way within the u.s and i keep going back to it but Buga's like the only one that i can remember kind of had like a a tv tour where he went on all these major tv shows did interviews i'm like as a competitive player right yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah because I, I i saw ninja as well participating in a lot of stuff yeah but for me he's not an esports player right he's just no no he's not competitive content. I yeah. Mean, yeah yeah definitely yeah so yeah it's interesting that that you do say that i do think the fan base is there as far as like a want to root for something but i don't know that teams have done it right or even mm-hmm. been successful enough to be like the problem with, with fortnite i think that that's that the game is too complex for a a and a non-dedicated person to, to to watch it right because it's so there's so many things to look out for first of all there's a hundred people in a lobby there's a freaking hundred persons in there and that has nothing to do with battle royale i know that's that's how the game mode works and stuff but if you're not following the scene actively and you have to keep track of a hundred people that's let's be mildly rough here and say 40 50 percent of the lobby will be irrelevant at the end of the day because you only follow top 10 top 20 whatever right but you still have to keep track of really like a lot of players and and the other part here is it's really hard for for fans to just be like oh then i'll just support um gxr because gxr isn't an actual team in the game fortnite they're an esports team they have players but these players play with other players around the place i tried to do this with copenhagen flames i wanted to do this so bad for so long like just be like okay we signed two players you two work as a team and then you you go out and go nuts right and I, I genuinely think that's the way forward if this scene has to succeed even further because you have to have that fan culture. So instead of saying, I'm a fan of the player, you have to say, I'm a fan of the club. And then you can also be like, but this club has a great player. Just like in football, I'm a Manchester United fan. Oh, they also have Ronaldo. He's a baller, right? I, I think that's the way around. Right now, the players are just, there's too much on the actual players and too little on the actual orgs. And... I think it's a mistake from especially the orcs, but yeah, I know a lot of teams have tried making this work. Um, and uh, I'm having a hard time thinking about an actual perfect or great example. I think with Become Legends having Seti and Kami now, um, that, that's a good one. But obviously Seti and Kami hasn't been like built up together under Beal. They were good before and then they both joined Beal. That's, that's also cool and I think it's the right approach. Um, I tried to do it in Copenhagen Flames with Swag and Pablo, like, um, we'll call them like A tier pros in Denmark, not S tier, but like, uh, before I left Flames, um, they qualified to FNCS invitation with an, uh, an eighth spot in last FNCS. And I would kind of also call that success in terms of their competitive level. But I mean, I think it's tough to make it work. Um, it is really. Yeah. And, when I worked for Elite Esports, there was a time where we debated doing that, and it almost seems, as far as a new organization, if you're not established and like trying to solidify your name, 
it almost seems to hinder an org to have everyone like say you're only signing three players and you sign a trio and they don't perform well then you just wasted all of that money on that trio and they didn't really do much so like a a good example that's the the issue right because you they might not perform players will never perform 100 percent all the time that that's just how human works right um but but then if you commit to that decision of signing a trio or duo or whatever team, then your job is to make it work. So if they don't perform, why don't they perform? And a lot of Fortnite players they just give up. They'd be like, oh, I don't work with this guy. Fine, I'll just find a new duo. And I think that's the issue because orcs are not committing to making it work. They'll just be like, play together or we'll just find someone new. Well, and I think that's what the problem was. After one season, they're like, ooh, let's uh, go play with somebody else now. And then... Yeah. It was no longer all three playing together. It was three players on three different trios. And I don't... I'm trying to think. The BL example that you gave is probably the best one. Clicks and Day, when they were both on NRG, I mean, as far as like content creation, they were good. But in-game, they were not that good. As Based on what we've seen from Clicks now, I should say, right? They, they were a pretty good duo, but I do think those two didn't play well together as far as clashing play styles. And then I don't, is there any other team that is Epic whale and Reet on TSM? No. Yes. Epic whale is, I'm not a hundred percent sure about Reed. Actually. I can't remember. Hang on. He used to be, uh, Reed. I can't remember. He, he is. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, um, then again, uh, I feel like that's great, and but but the thing is, how much what's it called does the team g- g- support them, right? Because I mean, for example, I know for a fact that Beal uh, is working with Bloodex, and I think that's amazing to to have him help out um, Sadie and Kami and these guys, and that's the right way to do it. But I mean, for example, with with the Epic Way and stuff. Um, uh, do they have a coach? I don't know if there's anything or like a performance coach doesn't even have to be a, a thing. I know TSM is a great org, a great team, but sometimes I feel like teams go into Fortnite just to be represented instead of actually caring for the esports. So, I mean, it would make great sense as, for a business like TSM to just be represented in Fortnite because it's there's a huge audience there and there's like a very unique and specific uh, audience in terms of young kids or young adults or whatever you want to call it, teenagers. Um... So, so it makes sense for esports team to be represented in the esports, but if they care about the esport enough to actually push resources in to make them perform, I'm not so sure every every single team will. Beal is doing that, and I think it works great for them. But uh, I think they're also a very unique example. Yeah, well, they're like the gold standard when it comes to Fortnite orgs, um, because they've seemed to do that from the beginning, where they're building up players and people, not necessarily just signing people and letting the players do whatever the hell they want, right? We've seen, I mean, Hen, uh, we, that's the first Hen, one that comes to my Anas, name. Yeah. Anas was there in the early days. They have Seti, I think. Seti is basically, yeah, I think his combination with Beal, he's just like a Polish, yeah, Gotti icon for gamers in general. He's big <laughs> in Poland, like uh, both on streams and YouTube and also obviously competitive Fortnite. Uh, I think that's amazing. Kami, that signing is great. Uh, Rifler was a great guy. Uh, I th- I don't know anything about this, but I would assume that they were starting to aim a little bit higher, and Rifler has been performing a little bit off, so that's why they let him go, I would assume. Uh, then they have Nips, 
connected or like uh still that's a, that's a that's a good signing uh mr savage recently that was um, a big one that like for an org that was consistently seeming to bring players up to their level and not necessarily sign people like mr savage is bigger than most orgs like all yeah. orgs too not even just fortnite orgs he's one of the biggest creators probably the biggest creator right now maybe clicks could rival him but that think, was really think, cool to see i think bl kind of took a step away not not completely put it in the in the draw but i think they took a step away from the talent approach and will and as they have become more established and more i'm not even going to say more organized because they've always been super organized renos are doing an amazing job running it um together with elix but as they've just like developed the business i think they can do all these more serious signings instead of betting on talent they can just bet on like actual raw skill now and be like yeah we'll just take the biggest one right yeah um but i mean that's i, th I think that's also a, uh, what's it called a stamp of approval in terms of they're they're doing the right thing and they're moving in the right direction right trying to out, solidify themselves as one of the top teams ever in fortnite yeah well it shows that like you've taken that next step right if you could go from signing let's call it b and a tier talent turning them into s tier talent now you're just signing one of the biggest people in fortnite yeah. like that is a huge step and congrats to them for being able to do that um one thing that i, I kind of want to go back to and this has always been mind-blowing to me is europe Ooh. seems to european orgs seem to invest so much more in at least fortnite rosters than i've seen in na because like you, you were a coach for Copenhagen Flames. You're the head of Fortnite for GXR. I mean, most NA-based orgs, like TSM, do they have a head of Fortnite? Do they have a Fortnite coach? I mean, NRG, I think they only have clicks, maybe Bucky right now too. But, like, are they bringing in coaches to make their teams better and make the performances better, which I haven't really seen? And I, I think that's why partially the reason why europe has been much more successful in creating fandom for teams is because of that investment into the players and putting more into it um i think you said it best earlier when you're like they're just being represented in fortnite whereas it feels like europe is trying to become a piece of it but i mean it, it's it's not really it's not really surprising if you break down the numbers, right? Because the prize pool is so much bigger in Europe considering basically everything. But let's just talk about FNCS because it's it's double all other regions on normal tournaments, right? I mean, that's that's just more appealing for teams, both if they have to get an article or, or contact sponsors and be like, hey, we want a million dollars. You can't say that in, in NA because you don't participate in tournaments which has a million dollars, right? What is the prize pool? 600 or something? Um, Yeah, I want like 625 or something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But uh, the numbers are just big in Europe, right? I mean, obviously, the salaries follow that number as well. But the bigger the numbers go, the more interesting it is to watch. I mean, that's also YouTube videos. You don't watch a YouTube video where he says, I'm giving away $1 to random people in the street. But when Mr. Beast posts, it will give away $100,000 in the street. People will be like, oh, I have to fucking watch that, right? <laughs> so, I mean, the bigger the numbers, the more attention, right? So I think that's that's one of the things to make sure that, or not make sure, but help you be more the most successful. I also think um, Europe, especially the northern part of Europe, is is very uh, modernized and have access to great internet connections, uh, computer setups, and stuff like that um, than various other regions. Um, I also think that's why there's more attendees in Europe. 
um and in denmark especially i think one of the reasons why we're so good with esports is because um i don't know there is there are some danish terms for this but i don't think they translate well into english but basically you can look at the average income of families and be like what they have access to and in denmark it's, it's somewhat higher compared to the rest of the world um which which makes parents able to buy playstation for the kids more likely or computers for the kids or laptops for the kids so the kids actually can start gaming in a somewhat young age where in many other countries probably uh kids would have to maybe work their way up and earn their own money in order to buy a playstation or whatever so denmark would often have five ten years more of practice before other players enter the scene and start playing Interesting. Uh, i got my first computer when i was six when i started uh, elementary school my dad was like Miguel, the computer is the future of the world. You just have to learn to use it. So here's your first computer. And that was just when I had my computer, right? I had, I had one ever since. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I even got a cell phone until I was probably 12, 14. So, uh, yeah. yeah. You, you had like an eight-year head start on me. And, and then another thing with the with the Danish community, we, we offer tuition or like actual money to go to school. So you get paid to attend universities and stuff. So there's like this safety net of economy in Denmark, which a lot of countries doesn't have out there. So so it's it's really hard to be screwed in Denmark in terms of, you know, like being broke and stuff like that, because there are all, all these like kind of safety processes uh, which will take place in the Danish, uh, what's it called, like um, infrastructure. So so I think in general, Denmark is, is overall, if you add all these kind of like, small biz together i think it makes great sense that denmark is a highly functioning esports country does make but, yeah. a lot of sense yeah i mean if you think of the u.s it's going to cost you minimum like fifty thousand dollars to go to school maybe yeah, over a hundred thousand and yeah and you just said they pay you to do it too yeah universities and when you're above 18 you can get it uh both if you're staying home with your parents but then you'll get less or if you stay out or moved out on your own, then you get more um, and you can get it from your 18 and above. And every single or every single public uh, university and um, high school and elementary school would be free. You can attend private stuff and then you have to pay, obviously. But the the public stuff is really great in Denmark. I don't right. think there is private universities. No, I don't think so. Interesting. There, there is in the U.S. and they cost way too much money. Yeah, um, yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> now, I, I want to make a shift, and as far as you can, like I don't want you to to get in trouble for sharing things, but as far as you can for GXR Elite, like what are the plans for Fortnite and the team? Is there anything that you could can share moving forward, like what you guys? Because right now it's just Queasy and Malibuka, right? I don't like you saying just. I think those two are really, really big names. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I take that back. I mean, they're two of the best players in the region. It's not just those two. But there are two players on your roster. I wanted to make sure there's not a third competitive player or something that I was missing. Let, let, let's just call it two active players, right? Because we also have uh, Teague signed, but he's obviously taking a, a bit of a period off here. Uh, hasn't been... Um, performing good enough for himself so he's trying to like kind of uh take a step back now and and reconsider things but we, we don't consider him active right now but yeah two active players on the eu region and then we also have soriano on the middle eastern region um but i mean the goal obviously is to be globally active in terms of uh players uh from different regions as well 
hopefully that'll happen somewhat soon um and then uh also cool to have some content creators around us uh we uh we have uh, mama benji um anna Fishy right now and then we also have willy uh willy abomayang um those two are what's it called our current country creators and we also have some other other big names involved for example gxrna just signed reddish um she is officially with with the gxrna but i mean uh we'd love to use her and involve her in all the fortnite related stuff because she's amazing country creator as well um so so good stuff hopefully coming somewhat soon um but but yeah i think right now um the 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 processes of getting the the internal parts ready for all these kind of things are still uh, about to happen um but yeah we have we have names in in play and we have uh, different uh, candidates up for grab so hopefully we can uh, do something cool soon nice nice so you're gonna sign a player in every region is what you just told me nice i i, I like that <laughs> mm, i mean i'm not i'm not sure but i mean I'm, I'm definitely gonna sign more than just you okay nice nice now for yeah. prep for you used to be a coach do you still do any coaching do you work with malabuka and queasy at all Nah, i retired as a coach um this is really hard for me to say but um i think coaches do not get enough credit in fortnite i think a lot of fortnite kids are full of themselves when it comes to the fact that they can actually get help from someone who is not good at the game. So I would still consider myself a somewhat successful coach in Fortnite. Um, but like people like Bloodex or Chocolaten or Katas, these big, big coaching names that I consider big coaching names. Um, I think they, they get the recognition they deserve because they're, they're really well, um, they're doing the job good. They're, they're, they're what's it called? Well liked. Um, Bloodex is a bit loud on Twitter sometimes, but he's an old man, so he can't really help that. Um, but I mean, they're, they're doing their job amazing, right? Um, but I that's also close to being the only coaching names I can mention. Maybe Captor. Um, yeah, like those are just names on top of my head, right? And that's a handful, right? In Counter Strike and other esports, I know it's also different games and titles and stuff like that, but the coach is an essential part of the team there, right? I mean, they, they work so close with the players and they work harder than the players most of them to to make sure that they perform in fortnite they're all just like nah we don't want to listen to that old guy or nah i know better myself or or these kind of things and i just don't think there was enough credit for coaches really the other side of the coin however is there's so many young people who doesn't know what they're doing in fortnite <laughs> like there there's so many young kids who just want to be a coach and then they say, oh, I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to help you. And they don't know what they're doing. Like, they, they don't know the game a, a tiny bit. I'm sorry to all these um, offensive to white now. But, I mean, <laughs> you all have to start somewhere. And I think it's amazing. But then just, you're like, do your thing. Help your friends in a call. Don't don't start promoting yourself as a coach and be like, hey, I work with this guy and all these kind of things. Just take it slow. Work hard behind the scene. The loudest people isn't always the ones who get out first, you know. So, I think, yeah, just just take it slow. Make sure to pursue your thing. If you want to be a coach, go ahead. You can do it. It, it It's not difficult. I've never been a professional player, um, but you need to do your homework. You need to watch your, your, what you call your VODs. You need to make sure you understand the game and understand the game on a level that you can actually contribute to someone's gameplay with because 
sometimes it's not just being like, yeah, you need mats. And I'm like, yeah, sure I do. But I mean, what's the rotation here? All these kind of things. I mean, it's it's much more to it than that. So yeah, don't, don't, I don't know how to explain it better than that. I hope it makes sense. Yeah, it does. And there's a lot to unpack there. So first of all, if you took offense to what Mikkel just said, reflect internally because he did not call anyone out. He just gave a general group of people. So if you're doing that, look in here, not not at somebody else. Secondly, I totally agree with you. And up until I feel like this year has been the most accepted coaching is. And yep. we still only have, you know, five, six I'm sure there are some other like there's probably some great coach out there, yeah. but I mean, yeah. And they don't get the credit. And speaking to players over the past couple of um months doing this podcast and just regularly doing things like they now do understand the value of coaching after working with one, especially some of the top coaches that understand really how to get the best out of players. And I think that's one of the biggest things is a lot of players don't realize that the coach doesn't have to be better at the game than me. All they have to do is make me better. And that is like the biggest piece that I wish I could smack in every Fortnite kid's head is a coach can I, help. I have a good one for that. I have a good one for that. Go ahead. So, um, so people would often say, like, uh, are you better than me than Fortnite? It's like that. I mean, do you think Cristiano Ronaldo's football coach is better than him than football? <laughs> I mean, he can't outrun Ronaldo. Ronaldo will hit the goal or target 100 times more precise than he would. That doesn't change the fact that Ronaldo has a football coach, you know? I mean, so uh, that's always what I've been saying to players I've been coaching who's, who's been doubting that. Uh, or, or I've been in touch with a lot of... Uh, what's it called? Uh, we had some um, junior kids teams at Copenhagen Flames with young Fortnite players. They would also be like, yeah, I have more arena points than you. I'd be like, yeah, I'm still <laughs> better. I'm, I'm still better at the game. I mean, these kind of parameters, right? So yeah, yeah I think that's a nice analogy to use. Yeah. And I'm not going to call anyone out, but there, there was somebody that I was speaking to um, back when I was on elite and we were trying to offer basically a free coach. We wound up bringing in captor right before I left. Um, and I was told by a player, no, I don't need a coach. I'm the best. Yeah. And they don't know more than me. There's no reason I need to work with a coach. I'm like, oh, yep. okay, well, <laughs> that's fine. But you will no longer get that opportunity because it didn't fit the system, right? If you don't want to bring in – if you're a player and you don't want to work with someone to get better, then what does that tell me about you as a player? Um and I do hope that coaches, I feel like we say this every year that I hope they get more recognition and it's just been like a slow and steady, you know, okay, now there's one more coach in the scene this year and next year there'll be one more coach, but it's also hard. I feel like coaches walk a fine line of being too, what's the, that you, you, you also see like a lot of coaches who, who don't only do coaching because it's not enough for them, right? So they yeah. would be like managing as well. Uh, Bloodex, he calls himself a mentor. So he wouldn't, he, he, he actually hates when people call him coach. He would probably slide into my DMs or something like that afterwards. <laughs> but I mean, uh, but he, he's a mentor. I mean, uh, I think Papi is also a coach. He's not an in game coach, he's a performance coach, which is crucial for, for, for game performance as well, obviously. Um, but I mean, he would also do content on the side. So I mean, Coaches are not like a single position right now. I don't think the state of Fortnite has that to offer yet. To some people it does. Um, but then again, for example, I was a professional Fortnite coach, but I mean, 
my full-time position wouldn't only be coaching professional players. It would also be creating bootcamp concept for, for the kids teams at Copenhagen teams. I would help uh, have the structure of the kids trainings every day because we had like, I think when we peaked, we had 800 kids attending Fortnite lessons at Flames. Um, and I had 25 coaches um, hired. So, I mean, that would be a part of my job as well, you know? So I think, I think it's getting there. And it's also important to, to keep in mind that Fortnite is an extremely young esport, right? And, and don't compare to Valorant because they have a company who actually knew what they were doing before they started. But Fortnite as an esport with Epic Games, I think it's a really young esport. And another thing is it's the first Battle Royale to make it this big. So everything they're doing, they're the first they're doing it basically. Um, sure, they can have some examples and inspiration from different unique concepts or, or attempts to succeed. But I think Epic Games is doing a great job so far um, running Fortnite as an esport. It's, it's three years in. In terms of competitive, I think the game is four or five years old. Um, I think it's five. Like yeah. the 2018 was the first. I think it was. So we're like four, but really five. If if you think about Epic supporting the esport. Yeah, but but as of a competitive aspect, I think it's three years old um, with FNCS and an actual competitive scene. Um, and I, I think every season is getting better. I just think. It's it's a really hard group of people these players to to keep happy and satisfied, right? There's always something to complain about. I think, uh, personally, I think for example the divisional uh, cups this season, amazing. Um, sure, there's some feedback to give to it, and there's some some adjustments to make. But taking that step, I think it's great. I think it's really really nice to to actually keep them active throughout the week like that, and and to kind of divide it up into more specific tier levels instead of just being you know like meaningless arena rings, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think the divisional system is a massive step in the right division direction um, for an actual solid competitive system. Because I've as we've seen, arena is not a competitive system. Arena is arena. It's like a sweatier version of pubs at this point. And you know we've tried to make that work, but the player base does not want to make that work. So. Granted, yeah, we could screw around with that, but I think the the whole point of the divisional system is Epic saying, okay, we're going to give you give you guys two tournaments a week and a third tournament that is the culmination each week of this, and it's open to anyone. You can climb the ranks. You can show your own progress. Even if you're not one of those top players, you can go from contender to challenger to elite, which I think is huge and actually provides incentive to your general player to continue to try and get better and having opportunities twice a week to play in those tournaments is massive for the, let's say infrastructure of building up new talent, because I think we're at a point where we need more of it in Fortnite. Um, so yeah, I mean, there there's, I actually tweeted yesterday, some feedback about it that I thought would be better. We, we need some yeah. kind of like ultimate culmination in the end of this as far as where this leads, right? Because right now it just seems like more players get into each rank each week and then it just... I think it would be cool with like uh, the, the first place gets like a, an FNCS spot or something like that, you know, like, so you actually have something to fight for um, in, in terms of just be like, hey, I, I won this weekly event, you know, it's it's it, it makes it more glorious. And then I also would like to see some termination. So 
yeah button the button x amount of teams would be like sorry guys you're skipping out or you're going down to challenger or whatever you know so people actually have something to fight for create some incent uh what's it called incentive incentive yeah incentive yeah to, to actually perform and take it seriously and there's actually something for them to lose when they're playing because right now if you have a bad day you can just be like nah i'm not gonna play anymore just be like skipping the last few games and then basically just like be grieving the rest of the lob in terms of queue times and stuff like that so i mean they, they have to do something for that i think there there has to be something there yeah and i think the other two things that i said were the in-game leaderboard because i know players love bragging rights so more so than just prize money just to be able to say like i'm the best player in the the division or the elite for na east where if like an eu team got on top of na east you know how much shit talk would go on there and how yeah, much they would yeah, love yeah. that so like that would be a, a huge piece of that that does, doesn't even require monetary incentive it's just simply bragging rights for the players to be like yeah i'm the best in the region what are you going to do about it and then a redistribution of the prize pool is the only I like that a lot of people make money, but I also have seen that games five and six in the weekly finals have turned into kind of chaos because players understand if you're 40th or 10th, at least in NA, you're making the same, or I think 40th to 11th make the same amount of money. So just having that scale a little better to make it incentive to try and continue to excel in the tournament rather than I need a 20 elim win to make more money is yeah going to um, deplete the tournament i i think it's always going to be an issue with with button teams landing on top teams just to annoy them or yeah what's it called yeah i don't know how to phrase it but yeah i think i'm not sure what 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 the fix is for that i mean it would just have to be a crazy amount of money or <laughs> like to to close these gaps or something like that i'm I'm not sure there's a problem. I think, unfortunately, it's a part of the game. Obviously, there there lacks some competitive integrity. I think this comes down to, again, a lot of players don't play around teams uh, or like orgs, um, so so they don't have anyone to actually hold them accountable for these actions. Um, because technically, they're not crossing any lines in terms of rule sets or anything when they land. They can land wherever they want and wherever, whenever a game starts, but competitive integrity would tell you otherwise, I think. So, so yeah. And then it's it's an extremely young game in, in terms of the player age so these decisions are are not well considered they're just like oh let's have some fun <laughs> and then they well, just it kind, actually... of, it kind of makes sense though like say you're in 20th place and you need a massive w key game to make more money you're not going to fall out of 40th if you're in 20th in the last two games but you have an opportunity like you're incentivized to go try and have this big game but then you're also just going to run at people and W key them. And if they like, I'm sure players aren't looking, this I'm is not, the team. I'm not I... talking about, uh, I'm not talking about W keys. I think that's, that example is perfect. That holds up in court, but I'm talking about if a team is in 48th and they decide the last game to land at the first place team. Oh yeah. That's, that's where I'm like grief at first stage. I'm like, they're not crossing any rules. It's fully legal, but competitive integrity would tell you otherwise. Right. So yeah, that's, it's one of those unwritten rules in Fortnite you just shouldn't do. It's not written yeah. in the rules, but everyone that plays the game knows you shouldn't do that. It's written in the I'll block you on Twitter rules. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. All right. Um, we're at about an hour, but I don't want to let you leave before I get some thoughts on the Invitational. Um, I don't want to 
to ask anything other than who you think's going to do well. And let's try and not have your GXR queasy Malibuka bias totally take over here. Um, so uh, actually, I'm going to remove that option from you. If you had to pick somebody or a couple of teams that will do well besides the two that you almost have to say are going to do well, who would you pick? That's a that's a that's a tough one, man. Like like so. Um, my thought about it is, uh, I think it's an uncontested team who's going to win. If you're contested at a at an invitation land, you're doing something wrong as a team, in my opinion. Because um, I could understand if it was a set map, and we had several lands coming up this season, so you actually had to defend your PUI or drop spot to make sure that you would, <clears throat> sorry, be able to perform better in the next event. But that's not the case here. That like the map is gonna be different. Come on, we already know it for the next event. Yeah. Uh we don't even know when the next LAN is really. Okay, sure that it's gonna be Dreamhack and stuff, but next actual LAN. Those um, are solos too, so it doesn't even count. Good point. Yeah, and and, and not the same people going to be there, yeah. right? So so it does make sense to to defend your POI. Get something uncontested and you'll perform way better. Trust me, I'll put my name to that. Uh so an uncontested team is gonna win. Um and I mean, Queasy Swap dropped today, but maybe he's gonna get contested. I guess. Um, I mean, I don't think Malibuka will win if he's contested by Aquan reason, and they're beefing down in Condor right now. So have fun. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, um, I want to say Kami and Sedi, but the last FNCS performance was kind of disturbing to me. Um, they ended up eighth after day two, but they went twentieth after day one, and I think that was really surprising to me that they. There should, there should be so little to rock the world so hard, if that makes sense, because they got contested at the drop spot. And I actually thought a team like them would be able to work around that. Those teams who contested them weren't that good, but obviously it's a big deal when you get contested. But um, but yeah, I think they had a rocky season last season. I think they're getting back on track now. Um, and it's also it's also unfair of me to say they had a rocky season when they come in eighth and FNCS. Those guys are amazing. They put so much work in. They they do so much hard work. They do they did amazing at Dreamhack solos. Um, done good with cash cups and 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 what's it called, elite cups leading up to this point. Um, yeah, I really... think that it's just the expectation for them is to be top three basically every tournament. Exactly. So they've so been why... so good. They've set the bar too high for themselves. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good point. But yeah, I, I really. Those are one of the teams that I would love to see win. I think they deserve it, and I think they owe it. Uh, so not, not owe it. What's it called? They they deserve it, and they they should be the winner, right? I think they're one of the teams who, who should be winning. Um, Ping and Anas, they could win if they were uncontested, but they're not. They're doing clicks and Duke, and I don't think anyone will leave there because again, they want to defend their PI, but that's stupid at this <laughs> event, I think. So have fun down there, dying every second game. Um. Tayson and Chapix landing command cabin and so is Thomas and Tripon. But they are they are fighting against an NA team. I can't remember. I think they're contested. There's three people up there. Uh but yeah, I would imagine Tripon and Thomas would just dip quite fast. Uh if those guys can make it out of their PY um uncontested, I think those could be deadly as well. I think. Yeah. I mean Thomas and Tripon could do good if they're uncontested or get out safely. Uh, Kaiman said if they're uncontested. So I would I... love to see King and Ed 
Okay. I would love to see those guys do good. I don't know why, but there's something about a Dark Horse region just coming in and performing really well. I think that could be so cool. And I also think um, it would be good for the game, actually. To, I agree. To not just have EU or, or NA performing well, you know, um, NA East uh, more specifically. Sorry, West. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I think it would be cool to have uh, Ed and, and King do really well. Wait, is it Ed and King? It is Ed and King, it right? It is, yeah. Yeah. Did I say C before? No, I don't think so. Okay, cool. Ed and King, yeah. I think, and even though it's a new duo, like they haven't played FNCS together and stuff, I, I still think they can rock the rock their lobby somewhat hard. Uh, I expect at least the top ten from these two. Um, okay. Ooh. Um, I'm sorry. I don't see any Middle Eastern players doing good. Sorry. Um, not good enough to be winning or close to winning that top ten. Well, two There's... out of the three are playing with somebody that they really can't even practice with until the week before. Yeah. That says enough, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, uh, West players, we have Epic Whale could also do good. Epic Whale and Reed. I think Epic Whale has been proving himself really worthy when it comes to physical lands and, and in-person events. Um, so so I wouldn't be surprised if he performed well. But I think the last previous seasons, he's been... Uh, what's it called? underperforming a bit in terms of what people expected him to but i mean what what else would you expect from a person winning six fncs is basically in a row right um, <laughs> it's like cammy and seti you expect them now it's even higher you have to win every fncs for epic cammy said he didn't win six in a row i mean epic was different man he owned that region um so, so yeah i wouldn't be surprised to see him there he's he's uncontested in loot lake for now um but uh but yeah what else? What else did I forget? Any big teams? Um, I mean, Miro and Booga are probably the the, the well, biggest names. Uh, Chonkers. Chunk? Yeah, still Chonkers. Okay. Um, I think I think those guys could also, I think they could do it, but I don't think they will. Uh, but they could definitely come top ten quite easily. I think. Um, but I don't think they're gonna take it all home. Um, and I can't explain to you why. Maybe it's just my EU bias. I don't know. <laughs> um, but. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to. Uh, really good players, proving themselves worth time and time and again. Oh, another team I'm interested to see play. Luda and Mus. Yes. That's a cool one. I also think it's a cool story, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think it's beautiful all around. And it wouldn't hurt my, my feelings if they went on and won or did really well at the FNCS as well. Um, That's probably the coolest story heading into NA East. Or not NA East. Heading into the FNCS Invitational, as of right now, right? We could definitely build some storylines, but this team won back-to-back FNCSs with Speedy and OCE, comes to NA, plays in NA, Muzz stays here, Looter goes back, Looter wins the spot, Looter's then like, I want Muzz as my teammate, they come back to NA to practice, and now, hey, it it is all in their hands, because they've shown to be capable to play it in NA level. So I'm, I'm interested to see those two as well. My my last team that I think also has a good storyline, I think that would be Aqua and Reason. Not because those two, they don't, they don't have any history together, really. I mean, as a duo, right? But I think mm-hmm. Aqua is an interesting guy because he's just so, he's just, I admire that guy so hard, you know, like turning on and off his career like that constantly since World <laughs> Cup, uh, because obviously he's dealing with his hand injury, uh, which makes him unable to play from, from time to time. But I mean, coming sick, no, the winning uh, duo World Cup um, 
playing a bit, then quitting a bit, <laughs> coming back a bit, quitting a bit, coming back, winning an FNCS in this chapter, quitting a, a season, and now back again for the FNCS Invitational. Man, I'm excited to see him in action. Um, I don't know what to expect from him. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. He he always like does aqua things right he's exactly. always just like yeah. him and you can count on aqua reason one game high ground they're gonna win like 12 games or however many games are played at the invitational one game will be won by aqua and reason on high ground hands down like n- no question he will do whatever it takes to play that height position and win the game which that's really cool like the fact that he's established himself as like that prominent of a player that we can kind of just expect that um and that's such a a weird thing to constantly have to take breaks because of your injury and we don't see that really in fortnite at all we don't see we don't see that players come back to perform that well every time they do it or like the times they do it i think that's amazing with him he, he like he could just step out and come back just like he hasn't skipped the day right i mean and that that's that's really cool and I think that's really admirable about him. Um he's also a great guy. I met him at the FNCS Media Day uh when he was in Copenhagen uh earlier this year. Um really cool kid. Uh so yeah, looking forward to seeing him in action again. Nice. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be great. A lot of a lot of really good names in that lobby. It's it's almost hard to pick uh, between favorites. Oh yeah. It, this is the, the best talent we've had in a single lobby since World Cup. And it, yep. I, I'd argue this is probably 3x more talented than world cup because we're three years later multiple multiple times more talented it's insane like there's so much more to the game now yeah it'll be fun um i'm really interested um are you going i will be there sunday and i live in raleigh so i'll be around for the weekend Uh, um saturday i have a wedding so i just saw the dates or the the times got posted it was 2 30 that's too bad for that wedding huh I'm already missing something on Friday to hang around. Um, oh, that's too bad for that event on Friday, huh? Yeah, it it's is what FNCS it is. Invitational SPG, come on. Hey, bro, I have commitments. I have to do these things. The boring adult life. <laughs> but nice there's game. one other team I've really enjoyed watching, which was Runa and Peepo Clip. They're like the... All Asian team? Yeah, they're not like the best team out of Asia. They are the best team out of Asia. I think they were... Is that the guy called Walltaker? Walltaker. I don't think so. Ruman and Walltaker? Aren't those the duo? Maybe if you change... I don't keep up with their in-game names. That's fine. Keep talking. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But they seem to play like uh, a very... They remind me of Benji and Savage, where it seems like both players just kind of play off each other at all times understanding what your teammates gonna do without even having to speak it and i don't know that there's as many duos in this lobby that have that chemistry together and the flexibility to play anything at any time so just i I would i would recommend you go watch a game or two of theirs because it's it's an interesting play style where it doesn't seem like there's one igl i want to say people clip is the igl but then they kind of just interchange who does what at all times during a game. I think, I think people, what do you call him? People clip. People clip. Oh, I, I've written his name down as Walltaker, but uh, I'm not sure if I'm confusing people now, but yeah, Runan, Runa and Walltaker. Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of coach Harry about reviews on those guys. 
Uh, he did a lot of, not, not a lot, he did some thinking about them. Uh, also saw, I saw your, what's it called, Daily Duo stuff uh, here the last couple of days. I saw the, uh, was it the, you did a Brazilian one? Was it King and Ed? It was, I, I've, well, I've done every region, but yes, King and Ed was ah. recent. Yeah, I saw that was landing up at the base. Um, and then you also did uh, Reason and Aqua here the other day. Yeah, it was um, yesterday. I got to figure out yeah. one for today. I, I didn't record one last night because I was feeling like shit. Oh, God. Skipping out on Dubus, huh? Yeah, well, it'll happen. It's happening today. It's just going to be a little late. It's beautiful. I love it. Let's go. Remember to watch it, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be awesome. I, I think Fortnite is long overdue for something like this, and the community seems to, to love these kind of events so i'm hoping this brings a love back to the game for a lot of people uh yeah especially the top players because it seems like it that fire inside of them dwindles at times and these in-person events where they get to meet all the people that they're competing against and just understand it's more than staring at a screen clicking buttons i think makes it a lot more real and makes people more motivated to play so that's what I'm really hoping for for this event, regardless of who wins. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's not a. a I mean, obviously, it's a competition. There's a lot of people, not a lot of people, a lot of money on stakes and what it's called. But as you say, I think it's just about getting out there. You know, get it out, get it, get it tested. I think Epic Games has a lot of experience to do here, um, and then we'll see what happens. You know, I think I think it's going to be great no matter what. Um, it seems really organized. It seems really, really well put together right now. I'm super excited for for it to to get going. I'm I'm flying down there the sixth of November, so that's gonna be cool. Hey, hit me up when you're here. We'll do some. I'll take you to my favorite barbecue spot. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll definitely do that. I I have a I have a tight schedule with uh, what's it called rehearsals and stuff. But I mean, I'll whenever I'm free, I'll try to hit you up, man. All right, hell yeah. Um, hell yeah. All right, let's wrap this up. We're about an hour and 15 minutes in. I know I told you we'd do an hour, so thanks for being chatty and having fun with me. That's perfect. Um, all right. First of all, Craig's Mickle. Where does – I understand the Mickle part. Where does Craig's come from? Um, do I have to explain that? <laughs> Why? It's Is it something like a... you shouldn't explain? Okay. So No, no, no. It's not. It's, not, it's, not, it's nothing dangerous. Um, so Craig's uh, means war. Ah. Uh, so Kri is war in Danish. Um, when I was uh, when I was young, uh, and I got my first, I think it was my first Steam account, my Counter Strike account. I had to be called something cool because I was a cool kid, right? Um, of so my 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 username or account name would be uh, War Mike is uh, 007 because 007 is the shit, right? I mean, mm -hmm. he's, a, he's a secret agent. Come on, yeah, um, James Bond. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, so that was my my username, and then uh, a few years later, I had to make my first League of Legends account. And my guys from my my school would know that I was called Warmike in Counter Strike. They would they would joke around with it. And that would just get straight up translated into Chris Mikkel because War is Kree and Mike is the English version of Mikkel, right? Because Mikkel is not an English name. So there you go. Uh, it was just like a, a fun troll name. I wouldn't really use it. And then when I started university, one of my friends in university was like, hey, Mikkel, you got to try Fortnite with me. I was like, dude, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to play that game. It's a kid's <laughs> game. 
um he said come on it's fun and i was like okay fine whatever i went in made an account chris miller was the username of course because why not um and then in the beginning i didn't get hooked by fortnite like i thought it wasn't too entertaining i, I stopped didn't play for like a month or two and then he was like one day I was like come on let, let, let's let's try again let, let's play it again a, a few more times I was like, nah, it wasn't that fun the first time. I was like, it, it's, it's better now. They did some changes and stuff like that. A new season, I, I I can't remember. And then I came back and then I just like loved it. I can't remember what did it. I can't remember what triggered it. But I just came back, started loving it, started playing so much Fortnite. And then it just took off from there, right? Um, Getting into different jobs and stuff like that from that point on. Nice, nice. All right, War Mike. That's what I'm, I'm going to call you War Mike from now on. Please don't. <laughs> Uh, okay and secondly what is your favorite fortnite skin um so uh from of all the people i've met in the fortnite scene i've always been told i have horrible taste in fortnite skins um but i really like uh, the standard aura aura the warrior um, skin okay it's a really basic one right um and then and people are gonna roast me with this but wavebreaker Wavebreaker. You have to Google it. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. It's a blue kind of skin, oh, okay. like a female yeah, body yeah, version. Yeah. I've um, seen people rock that. Yeah, I like that. I think it's cool. Um, but those are my two like uh, favorite skins, and I have some others that I use from time to time. But I think those are cool. Okay. Um, and final question for you. Appreciate you being here. Uh, where can people find you? What are you gonna be up to? Give yourself a shout out um so yeah for for english international content just follow my twitter uh if you want to of course uh it's just at chris uh um i used to do youtube i don't do that anymore <laughs> i did it when i was coaching i, I rarely stream so basically twitter is my only my, my main platform right now okay. i make sure to give gxr elite uh, a follow on twitter as well some some cool stuff are coming in the future hopefully right, very I'm soon a, i'm gonna hold you to that you're gonna be signing yep. me to gxr elite become the top Fortnite player with your coaching and uh yeah take over the world i would love that <laughs> svg as a player that's the best one ever yeah no don't do that that's a terrible idea but thank you so much Mikkel, for coming on i really appreciate speaking with you and uh thank you for your time man no problem thank you for having me of course of course thank you to everyone at home for listening, watching, however you consume this podcast. Maybe you read it. I don't know how you would, but maybe you do. Uh, if you have anything you need to send to me, comments, complaints, compliments. No complaints, please. Only compliments. Uh, you, uh, yeah, I get a couple every once in a while. Uh, send me a DM uh, at somebody's gone on Twitter. It's right below my name uh, or my picture if you're watching on YouTube. If you're on Spotify or something, good luck. Just go on Twitter, type it in. But thank you, guys. I'll see you next time. Peace.